The Mindset Advantage, a podcast by Arcadia Consulting, architects of change. In the early stages of the change curve, people are scared. There is little information to make them less scared. It results in a classic fight or flight responses of denial, burying our heads in the sand until it goes away, or hyper-defensiveness, skeptically challenging everything. Today, Deborah Price is joined by Stanley Nioni to explain why now is not the time to leave anyone isolated or excluded. Hello and welcome to today's Mindset Advantage podcast. I'm Deborah Price, a senior consultant with Arcadia, and I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by my colleague Stanley Nioni to talk about the topic of leadership and team care. Hi, Stanley. How are you? Hi, Deborah. I'm good. Thank you. Excellent. Delighted to have you here for today's topic. So, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, thank you. Uh, I I am uh, working mostly as a sustainability and leadership advisor. So I work a lot with change. Uh, sustainability is all about change. And I am also working on a project called Leading from Love, which is really about bringing more care, more focus on the relationships that are in the workplace and uh, focusing on making people get the space where they can use work as an expression of their potential, so to speak. So that's, that's what I do. And I do that as a facilitator and a trainer. Thanks, Stanley. Fantastic. And you're a, an associate, so you're delivering um, programs for Arcadia Consulting as part of what you do as well. So we're delighted to have you here for today's topic. I can't think of a more suitable guest to have. Let's get cracking then, uh, Stanley. So from the Mindset Advantage paper, we talk about you know change happening to us. And when change happens, especially when it happens to us, so we're not part of the process, we haven't, it's not our decision to make that change it can be challenging it can be it can hurt you know people can feel um, disturbed by it Uh, tell us a little bit about the need specifically for leadership care why is it so important at this stage the uh, the main thing I think is that we do have reactions when change is announced as you said and uh, some of it comes from not knowing uh, what is going to happen and some of it is can be just like I'm feeling anxious because I now have no idea what is what my ro- new role is going to be and I can feel really destabilized and sometimes downright scared you know and so leaders can help here by paying attention to what is going on and wanting to understand more what is going on for the people that are affected by change. And I I would say that this is also related to how leaders have cared in the past. So it's not just starting when the change is, is being announced, but what kind of relationship they've established in the past before the change came into being. Mm. So, yeah, so definitely knowing, showing that care for our team in advance of that change. But then when the change happens, being able to notice what are the symptoms, what are some of the telltale signs from our teams to how well or not they're dealing with it. And sometimes change is really clear, but sometimes it kind of creeps upon us, I think. Why is that, do you think, that people feel destabilized then? I think we start wondering about uh, our, our, our status, our relationships. Uh, we also wonder about how it is going to change what happens at home, you know, our habits, uh, mm. letting go of our, our habits, building on new habits. Sometimes it could be small things like just changing a colleague and wondering how am I going to deal with this new person that I have no idea who they are. Uh, at the same time, it can be that uh, the fear comes from 
how we have related to change in the past, mm. how we have been affected by change in the past. And, and, and here, I think it could be helpful for leaders to really approach it from wanting to understand the people that are being, being, being impacted by change and listening to them, creating a space for them to listen to each other as a team, but also to, to, to have a space where leaders encourage that. Mm, interesting. So our reference points to how, you know, what, how successful or unsuccessful a change has been in the past will influence how I approach that new change. And what, what kind of behaviours might show up, do you think, at that point? Uh, there could be dysfunctional behaviors like gossip, uh, just withdrawal. Uh, people might feel like, okay, uh, they feel vulnerable, they feel exposed, and sometimes even discarded, disregarded, because they mm-hmm. have not been part of this change. They, don't, they are not clear if there hasn't been a clear communication about what's going to happen to them. Yeah, definitely. I did, you know, think about certain uh, experiences of my own and, and noticing colleagues as well, and we all react differently to that change. Um, so what what does leadership care then do to our teams when we're doing that well? And what does that, how does that show up for the organization? Uh, the saying that empathy and connection are the currency for influence is really important in this stage. Uh, so how do I as a leader connect with the people and how do I create a sense of belonging uh, instead of isolation and exposure? How do I express uh, a sense of that I, I, I care and people are being loved and valued instead of being rejected? And looking at uh, how do you inspire confidence rather than fear, uh, self-belief rather than self-doubt? And, and of course, expressing the understanding for the loss that, is going, that, is, that they are going through Either if it is perceived or not perceived, it doesn't matter. That showing that you understand that is very, very critical. Thanks, Stanley. I think one of the key things here, isn't it, that one side doesn't fit all, so different people might be reacting in different ways. And it's the early stages of change, so we don't want to get into being proactively driving people to the change, but there's a period of pause and connection, as you say, and empathy that's really important for the team members to experience from us as leaders at that point. And and I I, I think that uh, here is is probably critical to realise that what we are talking about is leadership not just at the top, but also the leaders inside the teams, mm. uh, that they, they, there is an interaction, there is a sort of space for discussion, there is a space for deep dialogue about what's really going on here. If, even if we don't know what's going to happen, we need to really give the space for people to express themselves. And what about the organization then, Stanley? So we invest that time with our team members, we make sure that they're, they feel understood, they've got uh, an outlet they can be heard. How does that manifest itself in benefit for the organization, would you say? Uh, the organization, it, it, it gives the organization a mirror of information for what is going on so that we can make the necessary adjustments. Uh, it also gives the organization an opportunity to engage with the people at different levels, and also to get a, a sense of how fast, how can slow can we introduce the change, uh, and how, what kind of information is needed at different levels of the organization, and sometimes for different people as well. And also we can sort of nip in the bud the, the speculation that might be going on about what's happening and what's going to 
how people are, different people are being affected are going to be affected by the change. So that's, that's really critical as well. Mm. So it's a, a barometer really for temperature checking how people are reacting. And also, I guess it's, it's very valuable because we may not have anticipated some of the reactions or we might get better reactions than, we've, than we may have feared. So I think it, it helps us to um, be really aligned with what's really going on as opposed to what we might have imagined. Exactly. And I'll give an example here that uh, one of the projects that I was involved in uh, a while ago was how do you introduce the big shift that a number of people are going to be laid off their jobs and do it in such a way that you actually show care. And in the discussion with people, we found out that 30% were actually happy to for the change. And then the other 30% were sort of, I could take the change, I could take a package and I could do something else with my, my, my new package and use that to create a new life or a, a dream that I've been thinking about. Mm. And then you have the other, maybe 40% that are really, really scared for what is going to happen. And then you can focus your energy on those 40% and le- leave the others to, to sort of take care of themselves because they are, the reactions are different for different people and different characters of people, I would say. Yeah, I love that um, view that, in fact, this can be a, a massive opportunity for people that maybe we haven't had the luxury of being able to consider what might this change mean in a positive way. Very often when we think of change, we think of all the negative things that we're going to have to let go of and do differently. Um, but of course, as you say, that might be providing someone with an opportunity they didn't, uh, they haven't considered. And so that, again, needs some time for them to mull over that, consider that, talk to their um, loved ones about in deciding how they're going to react and what, what needs to happen for them to achieve that. And also, I, I, I imagine that it could also be a stigmatization here, which is when people, when there's a big change, especially if that change re- results in, in a loss, that pe- some people react from the perspective, I'm losing my status, I'm losing who I have been to my, to my people, to my, to my colleagues and to my family, you know, and how do you then design a process that allows for that mourning to occur mm. so that people can express their sorrow, but also realize that this is not about themselves. It's they can mm. basically just like reinvent themselves probably and do something different. Mm. And that can take a while. And someone has to take care of that process. Thanks, Stanley. But just for um, thinking it through then, so what exactly do you think that leaders can do to achieve this? What would be some of the, your tips for that? I think anything you can do that connects people, uh, especially uh, things that you can do that connect you to the people as well, so they don't they, they don't think of their leadership as being separate from themselves, and also uh, their colleagues as being separate from themselves during this crisis, especially when there is speculation about who is affected and who is not affected, uh, and then. Uh, to really create value and practice diversity so that you can actually see and, and, and demonstrate that you are aware that different people are affected differently. Uh, and also yeah. enable team connection and hang out so that the team can hang out and have a space where they can discuss the change themselves without you. And, and also not forget that uh, we normally have activities where teams can go out and and get connected do some out of office activities we don't put away those things during the change just make sure that they still continue to do that 
and also that uh, you, you deepen the level of attention that you are paying to people uh, uh, during this time because that's when they need it the most. Sorry, Danny, I was just going to say that can be challenging for us as leaders, isn't it? Because we, you know, we may be feeling undernourished and fearful of the change as well. So we need to go beyond that to really thinking about slowing down. Uh, and one of the other podcasts we were talking to, somebody talked about having a cigar moment. So, you know, stopping and thinking as well, as opposed to getting into go mode of, you know, let's get this change on the road. There needs to be some quiet time for people to digest it, get used to it, think of the questions that are bubbling up for them. Mm. Um, so that connection, that personal connection time as leaders is really important. And also to think of leaders themselves, they need to care themselves mm. as well. You know, you talked about, um, valuing and practicing diversity and inclusion what might be an example of, of how we do that because i think you know for a lot of us we probably think we're being inclusive but what what might show up for somebody who's might slip under the radar where we haven't noticed that they're not necessarily being included is there anything that comes to mind or examples that you have of that uh, I, was, I was thinking of an example of I was facilitating a conversation in a, in a consulting firm where most of the people are consultants and consultants work with change all the time and they're very articulate about their needs as mm. well. And mm. then the, the non-consulting staff, which is the support staff, they don't have the same language for expressing what they feel or what they are going through. And so if you put these people together with the consultants in a room, you will find that they are probably sitting in a corner, not knowing what to say, not knowing what to do, not even sure that what is going on. You know? so, so in that situation, you would want to pull them aside and have a separate conversation so that they can express themselves. So that's, that's one idea that comes up for me. Yeah. I guess what strikes me is that it, we need to be prepared for, for change before it happens, really. Those relationships need to have been nurtured in advance of that as well ideally don't they so that we we're not trying to build that in the moment of change yeah because it might not uh, it might not look inauthentic actually it might yeah. look very inauthentic for you to start doing things that you normally don't do just because you want something from the from your colleagues or from your your team you know mm-hmm. We, t- we talk in this paper about the mindset advantage, and I'm, I'm curious um, to get your thinking on so how, how is this a mindset, What's, what is this advantage that both the leader and the team are getting from this leadership care? I, I, I think we are talking about here ways of being, uh, you know, and we are talking about listening skills, we are talking about how do we open up so that people can really express themselves and feel heard. That's one part. And then the other part is really living the, the, the habitual ways of being, the habitual ways we have always done things. Yeah. And, and looking at that and saying, does this situation require a different approach? Does it require me to turn out, to, to be a different person, to have a different mindset, so to speak? Mm. Uh, and because if we use the ways we have always interacted with, with people in a, in a time of change, or it might even be a time of crisis, that might not be what is needed. So it requires a deeper level of listening, I would say. And I guess that that, you know, in and of itself has an advantage in that the team member feels, you know, they can get things off their chest. They've got time to reflect. Very often we're too busy in the doing of things. So it, it gives that, that cigar moment, as I just mentioned, I suppose, to the team member, to the leader as well. But from that place, um, I imagine as a team member, I feel more open to 
you know, what is, what's the potential of this change? What might there be to learn from this and, and, and give you and my team and my fellow team members the space to listen to them as well? So I guess there's a reciprocity that comes from that. Definitely. Um, and, and that is something that I think my emphasis still is the fact that this is something we have built over time. We have built a muscle for how to listen to each other. We have built a, a, a space also for when, where, who do I tend to when I need to talk about things that are really close to my heart? Uh, it, it could be my boss. It could be one of my team members. It could be actually somebody who doesn't have an official role in terms of holding that space for me to discuss with. It could also be somebody who has that role and who is qualified to do that. I worked with an organization that had somebody, they call them confidant. Someone you can go to and express whatever is going on for you, knowing that it is going to stay with them. You know, and these are people who have had a little bit of training on how to listen and how to make sure that they don't just silver line when they are listening to somebody. They are on the spot in terms of their questions to allow you to get deeper and find out what's going on for you if you if you are not clear about your feelings you know and your needs as well mm. thanks Stanley I know from your own website you you know you're very passionate about leading from a place of love uh, and I think that comes through in your story so far on this leadership care how did that come about in terms of of that focus for your work it came from uh, really looking at what it is that works when we are doing change programs for organizations. What, what is it that makes it possible for, for people to open up and be more creative about the change that needs to happen, whether the change is cultural or it is even in a new project? And uh, my team and I realized that there is something about the quality of the relationships. And I, I think I'll even go on to say work is a, a network of relationships. A job is a network of relationships. And if those relationships are inside your firm, they could also be outside, including stakeholders. But if you look at when we are at our best, it is when the, the, the trust is there, the connection is there with whoever I am, I am dealing with. And uh, we decided to be courageous and name it just love. Because that's what we think it is. Mm. And when that happens, when that connection happens, and when trust happens, people are more creative. And also you remove doubt, you remove uh, the, the need for gossip, you, need, you remove all the things that might separate us from others. And, and, and uh, our proposal then was, imagine an organization where it is not only left to the leaders to, to, to care, but mm-hmm. it is also something we are building as a culture and we have now decided these are the space, we have created a space within which we get together, have conversations about what's really going on, what's not working for us, what's working for us, and how can we lift up the things that we are here to create together so that work becomes an expression of who I am and who you are. And in our meeting, we really bring love to the way we, we interact and collaborate. And how open have you found organizations to this idea, Stanley? And has that changed over the last year to 18 months? It seems like uh, there are organizations who actually are saying they are leading from love themselves. Uh, I had a conversation with a lady from an IT company with 1,500 people, and she said to me, that's our brand, basically. We have actually been expanding. People come to us because of that brand. Of We are a, an organization that cares deeply for people, and our clients recognize that 
that's why they come to us. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Stanley. It's been a pleasure to talk to you today. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, then do look out for the rest in the series and you'll find them on all the usual podcast platforms. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Mindset Advantage. Follow Arcadia Consulting on social media platforms to stay updated.